0: so quick announcement before we get into the show today i want to tell you that at the beginning of february the show is going behind a paywall to listen to the shows i'm going to ask you to join the smaller fish extended panel for five euros plus fat a month you'll get exclusive access to 16 shows guaranteed you've over 17 hours entertainment guaranteed for the price of a pint Benetti menswear was a short-term sponsorship deal it's not easy to get brands to take on a new show for a year And I don't have any sales team to be dealing with it, you know, month on month. Big brands that could afford yearly sponsorship that can be very hard to deal with. They worry about things that I don't worry about, like political correctness, gender balance, you know, amongst the pundits. I don't feel I would be in control of my own show. And that's not what I want. And I don't think it's what you guys listening want either. So I'm asking all of you to be my bosses. The show is going to be led by you, the subscribers. Um, That means no ads whatsoever on the show. I felt my old show, the GER, was going to go behind a paywall. Um, the show hadn't been sponsored in two years, and I had a meeting with the new bosses about the subscriber model. And my thinking was that gaA people might be more inclined to give me their fiver, another gaA man, you know, trying to do it on my own independently of any media, than to give it to a big media um, company. So starting in February, we're going to be members of the Smaller Fish Extended Panel. You'll have to go on patreon.com or download the Patreon app at the end of the month and search for Smaller Fish. So along with the 16 shows, you get priority notice to live shows, an exclusive entry to our end-of-year AGM where you can meet the team. I'll even buy you a pint. That's one of your months back, one of your uh, fivers plus vat um, back. So that's it. We're going to have a very big extended panel next year. I don't want to see any faces in any of you because you're all going to see game time throughout the year. think I'm a bit of a, a lunatic, loose cannon, whatever you'd like to uh, say. I think
1: there's a group of people around Frank, actually a group of stooges and yesmen.
2: Because I love this county so much, you know, and it's just I'm delighted that lads, the lads did it for the People of Warfare today, because like I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken.
0: <laughs> Welcome along to the Smaller Fish Hurling Show, we're in association with Benetti Menswear. Featured stock list can be found online at bennetti.ie. So, Brian Carroll, welcome welcome across to The Smaller Fish. Paul Murphy, welcome across to The Smaller Fish. I'll start with you, Brian. Like, I mean, I was talking to Paddy Stapleton about managers moving from one club to another and bringing all their most valuable um, kind of, you know, players across with them. And I'm kind of thinking, I'm thinking then of successes and failures at that. I'm thinking of David Moyes bringing uh, Fellaini across with him to Old Trafford.
1: Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I was about to say I'm very honoured to be on your show, but holy shit, that's some introduction. I've been called a lot of things, but Fellaini is one
0: I definitely haven't been called before. <laughs> you, you, you need to start growing your hair, Paul.
2: Well, I was going to say if if you're going to pay me as much as Fellaini's paid, I don't mind what you call me. But, uh, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> that's one thing that's not going to be happening here. We're the smaller fish. We're not the, the smaller cans for salaries and payments ah, too. Late. Right, right, I
2: must have missed that in the
0: small print. <laughs> so. So, we're at um, All Ireland uh, semi finals. It's nice to be here. Like, I mean, we're in a weird situation. We're after Christmas. We're not too long after the Munster final. Two weeks later, you know, the whole kind of thing, Brian, the script has been ripped up. You're, you were here before, back in 2010, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, 2010 yeah, 11, 11. 11 12. Or eleven, twelve. 12. Um, you beat Gort in the semi final. You got to the All Ireland club final. Um, they were decent at the time. They had beaten Bridge in the Galway uh, final, and Bridge were defending all-Ireland champions.
1: Yeah, Gork were a serious team, and any team that wins Galway are, are, are good teams. But yeah, we just we, we definitely out-hurled them on the day. Um, Aidan Hart was probably young at the time. He was playing centre-forward, but he ran into the man-mountain, Joe Brady, that we had at centre-back. So uh, he was an excellent club hurler in Fairsome and, and with the county, but... You know, Lockheed were were just excellent. There's no point in calling it a spade a spade. They fully deserved to win the All-Ireland that year. Like, they beat, they went the hard way about it too. Like, they beat in the Pearce, you can tell us after extra time. Yeah. And then in the final, they got four goals. Like, they blitzed us, 413 to 17 points. We both scored 17 times. But obviously, as we learned the hard way, goals win games. And, you know, we threw the kitchen sink at them in the second half. But they just had, you know, I think they had an eight-point lead at half time. We got it back to maybe three or four. We and Dee Quinn made a great save for a goal. And if we maybe had to score that, we really could have put the squeeze on them. But they kind of had that kind of cushion that they just another push on again and and to solve the game. So you know, like they were, they showed that they, they did an excellent team. Like Liam Watson obviously gets all the. The applauds, you know, Wala finally had three seven, and he got sixteen points in semi final. But they had a serious team, like and anyone who hurled against them at the time would know that. You know, the D.D. Quinn, very experienced Antrim keeper, and that all the McCluskey brothers, you know, the Campbells. I was marking Johnny Campbell that day. You know, he was captain for Lockhill, but he played for years for Antrim too. So there were no mugs, and and the, as I said, they were they were seriously uh, deserving to win that All Ireland against us.
0: Yeah, no, they probably were. I don't really have much of a recollection. I remember you guys being favourites going into it. Of you know, yeah, um... and a
1: funny story about that, Willie, is like we were favourites. Like I, I didn't understand that because it was our first time ever in Ireland. I, I, it comes back to what we'll probably talk about later. Like hurling snobbery says, oh, maybe an the team against uh, an Antrim team. Surely they should be favourites. But like I'll never forget sitting in the dressing room that day and in the programme. And I've never seen this before or after. They had a full list of maybe about five or six journalists giving their tips for the day of who was going to win the Hurling football. Earned. And every one of them tipped Kouleri. And I remember just going, fuck. If if, yeah. if Lockheed are looking at this down the dressing room, I'm like, what? Like, it's not that you don't need any more motivation, but like, it's literally there. Like, it's, ended, you know, it's it's what's going to come out from their leaders and their manager, like, you know, just to really tip them over the edges to go out, out to do battle. Like, so I remember just going, like, and I suppose, looking back it, I don't see how they would have seen it. It would have been, as I said, snobbery to say that Lockheel, that Eel we should have been such rage and hot favourites against Eel after they haven't beaten the Piercing, you know. So, look, they, they tore up the script, certainly. They would have used that as huge motivation. We never, ever underestimate them. We didn't get things right in the lead up to Ireland, but that was more on us. You know, that would be one of my major regrets. But not for one second did we underestimate them.
0: You have All-Ireland pedigree, uh, Paul, as well. Junior club hurling winners in 2007. You beat Clooney Gales um, yeah. of Antrim. Were you wing forward on that team? Very young, Paul Murphy, that back
2: then. <laughs> yeah, very young. I think it was used for my legs around that time. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I was, I was around midfield. I think it was a case of, you know, you have these, uh, I suppose, superstitions with with, with club hurling. I, I started out wing forward that year. I mean, back in the depths of... Uh, the club championship in Kilkenny around the uh, semi-final stages. I was wing forward and they moved me to midfield, but they left me with the number 10 for the rest of it because for the fear of God, if they moved me to number nine with the jersey on my back, I might can hurl as well. So I had number 10 on me, hurling midfield, hurling wing back, hurling wherever. But um, yeah, we hurled Cluny Gales in, in in the final. Um, and again, like look, another a, a team from Antrim, another you know really strong team. Um, I suppose the, the thing about playing these Northern teams they're, they're savagely passionate when you play them. Like, the crowd they bring in everything, no matter where they go, they're enormously passionate. And we, we, we played them in Crow Park. I think it was actually the first kind of junior championships that were played in Crow Park and Club All-Ireland. So, you know, obviously in itself, a, a great moment. But, like, they brought a crowd with them. And there were small crowds. We're both small clubs. Brought decent crowds. But when you're in Crow Park, there are small crowds, you know. But yeah. I just always remember the intensity from their crowd. Just, it, it, it took a while for them to get into the game. But when they got into the game, like every point they got, it seemed to be like three points. They were just celebrating it. And they nearly have another scoring board before they were finished celebrating the last one, you know. So, but look, the likes of that, I mean, Brian obviously played at a higher level in terms of club with Derry in that. And, you know, at the the lofty heights of the senior All-Ireland Championship. But um, the big thing about the club championship is just, like I look back at that time now and even with everything I would have played, Like, that's just such a special time to be with the club, because as much as I was out starting my own career at the time, I was 18, Richie Hogan was 18, and all these, you know, we had so much road ahead of us, but there was lads there who were 35, 36 years of age, thought they'd never darken the door of Crow Park, you had people going to Crow Park who were, never thought they'd see their club in Crow Park, and I say that for ourselves and Clooney Gale, so, like, you know, I suppose a very humble thing to play your junior All-Ireland up there, but... I think for anybody who plays any level of all Ireland, to get your club into Crow Park, it was just, that was a huge feeling and it, it definitely trumps anything I would have even achieved with Intercounty and I, I no qualms of saying that.
0: Yeah, everybody says that. Like, it is a huge thing. I've played there an All-Ireland final day. Didn't have good memories of it, the same um, as Brian. Uh, but, like, your club in Crow Park, there's something massively special about it. What, what do you take of the Leinster final being played there, um, Brian? Like, on one side, it's great that it, the surface is immaculate and it's perfect. Do you think it takes away from it that loads of clubs will now be playing in it when it's not that one All-Ireland final day?
1: Um no not really I suppose like traditionally going back into the to the eighties um a lot of the club Leinster matches were played there in Crow Park as well so you know I suppose it's just going back it's a better surface there's no there's no traffic on it it is Leinster's uh I suppose flagship stadium do you know what I mean it's yeah. like when we have seen the Munster final being held in Parky Queeve I suppose when you're playing the big stage matches it, it is best that they're played in those facilities if you can um. You know, so like, it probably suits the the bigger teams. Like the one beauty about the the Leinster or any club championship is that it's 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 played in you know county or provincial grounds, and it's you know the the weather and the winter, and you've you know county champions playing against each other. It's kind of even keel, but you know, I suppose I'm automatically thinking they're Ballyhale. What they did to to Balakala, um, in the in the yeah. Leinster final and then you would have seen Kilmer obviously take take it from Nays in, in the Leinster football final as well so I suppose it will that bigger bigger surface and the bigger grounds will suit them
0: Yeah, no, it definitely I'm thinking Boris Ali versus uh, Bally Gunnar two years ago would they have beaten them in Parky Cueve? You know, it's hard to know yeah. Bally Gunnar are so good we'll get on to them um, we'll get on to them now actually because we're talking about Ulster teams and Sloughnail you know, they're from Derry they're dominating Ulster they're dominating Derry they came very close to beating Ballyhale um, last year. It was Brendan Rodgers uh, scored a goal to leave just one point in it with two minutes left, um, mm. Paul. That was two years ago. Like Neil McManus was talking about them this year and he was tipping Sloughnail to be said they were the only team to beat Ballyhale. Now the Munster Championship hadn't finished that yet and I'm sure he probably changed his mind after seeing Ballygunner destroy Balier and kill Maluk. But like he was saying that the thing about Sloughnail is they have incredible fitness, incredible athleticism and they're really good hurlers as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, Slough Neal, the, the thing about them, if they were facing uh, the likes of Balahail, is that they just have absolutely no fear. If anything, they'd relish a challenge like that. And they did relish it. I mean, they took as much as possible all their chances in that match. Neil, like look like across the board, an incredible club. You look at the four clubs that are, that are left, and really, I suppose you'd be thinking... Um, the likes of Slough Neil and Lockmore Castellani, just in terms of how they manage the football and the hurling at the same yeah. time, and uh, like to be honest, things kind of both complement each other. You, you talk about the fitness of Slough Neil, like I, I think definitely a lot of that transfers across from the fact that they're such a, a great football club as well. And um, you see, they're really, they're I suppose they're the envy of many clubs, probably every club in the country really, because also their comogies are so strong as well, but. You know, like like Brian was referring to earlier, um, they'll, they'll have no doubt, like, you know, they're going in against Ballygunner, and they'll have no doubt that, I'm sure they'll see it in papers, they might say they're not reading him this week, but, you know, they'll be written off to a certain degree. You'll have a few people that will back them, but Bally Gunner have been really impressive over the last while, and especially against Kilmallock. I wasn't expecting them to turn out such a performance, really, and it's probably shown the strength of the Ballygunner team now that they seem to have matured really well over the last few years, but Slough Neal won't fear that, at all, I don't think. If anything, I think they'll relish it because the more you say things, I think about this Slough Neil team that you know maybe it's a step too far and all these things. I think it's the more they prove you wrong. So, like you said, look, they have fitness. They're a savage team, and I just think you know there there could be an upset from my eyes and cards. Maybe a lot of people tip them anyway, but they're, they are a savage team, and like I said, they have a a lot of passion, a lot of passion, and I can guarantee they want to be playing in Crow Park. They see this as seventy minutes or sixty minutes of hurling. You know, all
0: on the line. I think, you know, they're in with a serious shout here against Bally Gunner. Jesus, right. I, I I wasn't really giving them any chance with Bally Gunner. I just thought they were kind of on a mission. I think you were at this Slopnail bally Hill game, Brian, were you? I think I remember yeah. talking to you yeah, about it. That and like, I'd
1: seen them in the, in, in the Ulster final previously as well, yeah.
0: Do you know what pisses Slocknail off? Is that they were established football club and winning Ulsters in football before they were really recognised as hurling. And they're seen as a football team and they're seen as a big, fit, strong, physical mm. kind of footballers that hurl. And it really annoys them. Like Mickey McShane, like whenever they're playing any of the Antrim clubs, they have this bee in their bonnet because the Antrim clubs think they can out-hurl Slotnail. And nail, like, I mean, af- after the after they beat Dunlai, Mickey McShane, their manager, said that drive we got this week from people talking about how we weren't good enough hurling team, that we're going to have to come out and bully Dunn physically intimidate them and do all of those things, but we wouldn't be able to out-hurl them. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, they're they're mad out to prove that they're well able to hurl.
1: Yeah, and I think, underestimate the match of Pearl. I think Paul is spot on with this. Like, and you go through their team and yes, I suppose... You'd recognise some of them more as footballers I mean you think of Brendan Rodgers and Chrissy McCabe. There, they are probably your two standout footballers, obviously.
0: And Shane McGuigan too.
1: Yeah, Shane McGuigan, Yeah, true. And they're they're excellent footballers, and, and you, you know they don't wear the helmet. They don't really play hurling with, with the county, so you know they're they're standout standout footballers. But they're serious hurlers as well. Like Cormac he's a brilliant free taker. Like you know, like you've all the McGuigans are well able to hurl. So like they know exactly what they're at. They can play a sweeper. And they all know the role. They took leave the two McGuigan brothers inside and then they just they're really good at working the ball through the lines and shooting from distance as well. So, you know, going back to that Bally Hale game, which is probably your, your point of reference uh in terms of the all and series, like it took all of Bally Hale's brilliance. You know, TJ Reid and Colin Fenley really dug Bally Hale out of a hole that day. It was just it was phenomenal witnessing it to see how Ballyhale were just at their peak and able to just get over the line so many other teams would have fallen that day to to uh Shlach-Niel. So like I think Shlokneel will be really gunning for this and and they'll use what you're just talking about Mickey Machine with that hurt that people don't rate them as a hurling team when they're an excellent hurling team and I I probably touched on it earlier that hurling snobbery that is there towards the northern teams in particular and and as as you said particularly towards the Derry team teams and I think it, like Bally Gunnar obviously were exceptional in the in the Munster final and it sounds crazy to be saying like how how would Schlockniel even come close to this but as I said earlier the leveller of the club hurling. if you're in the all Ireland Senior Series you deserve to be at that level and you're there for a reason and we've seen it time and time again upsets of this nature you know so I, I think this game could be very close. And Parnell Park will have a big part to play in it as well. Yeah. You know, it's not, like we talked about, it's not the big wide open expanses of Crow Park or Parky Cueva or Turles or whatever. Parnell Park usually brings a game in, into a massive dogfight. And we saw Cushion Dahl overturn St. Thomas's up there a couple of years ago as well. That's where Lockheedle beat in the Pearshee. So these guys will relish it in Parnell Park.
0: I was just going to bring that point over to you Paul I'm sure you've played in Parnell Park I've played there it's a long field but it's a, na- a narrower field so like corner forwards and you're playing corner back I'm sure you loved hurling in Parnell Park
2: yeah well you love it in one way and you hate it in another because you need to feel like the crowd is on the pitch in some ways and it can be quite you know when things aren't going your way in Parnell Park it can be quite claustrophobic and the, I suppose the dynamic of the club championship especially with the hurling is you know we saw what happened with Bally Hale and Balakala. In Crow Park. You know, you get into Crow Park and the surface isn't boggy, the, the ball will move around. You see what Balahale can do when they can move the ball, but you see what happens when you, the likes of, you go to the more local uh, pitches, let's say Parnell Park, the sod might necessarily be as good. You can get drawn into that dogfight, which is Neil, no doubt, and it's not to insult him they'll be happy to bring Bally Gunner into that dogfight and then yeah. see what Bally Gunner do because obviously Bally Gunner wants to move the ball well through the lines which they're well capable of doing and get the ball into Desi Hutchinson and, you know, hang it up and so on but Slough Neal will want to, I suppose, stifle that a small bit and slow it down and, like, they'll have the legs to move the ball around uh, move the ball around Parnell Park and draw Bally Gunner up onto them I mean, we saw him against Vincent's there a few years ago in football they it, it brought Vincent's into the dogfight yeah. and... They, you know, they bet him at their own, not to say bet him at their own game, but they bet him at the game they wanted to beat him at. So Parnell Park, you know, again, not to insult Slough Neil, but if it was Crow Park, you might give Ballygunner more of a tip. But the fact that it's in Parnell Park, for me anyway, plays more into the hands of Slot Neil. They can drag Ballygunner into this dogfight. And like Brian was saying, they have the hurlers there to actually, you know, I suppose once they have the ball and they're on the ball, then they can move it around and get the scores they need. But when that ball is a 50-50 ball and there's lads, as you see in club championship, there's lads coming into tackles, the ball is on the ground, there's, there's a fight to be won. You need to win that primary possession. Slough Neil, I think, will relish that. And that's what they're aim to do. Look to break it down, stifle Valley Gunner, and then work the ball out as, as they're well able to do.
0: I think Ballygunner, like, I mean, you know, I don't think we're being disrespectful to Slocknail. You know, you know, they have the chip on the shoulder about being a good hurling team, but like Ballygunner are an outstanding hurling Mm. team. So like Slocknail, probably not that level. Like, I mean, Stephen O'Keefe in goals, arguably the best goalkeeper in the country. Um, you know, he's up there anyways, like the saves he made from Noel McGrath pretty much won them, won them that game. Then you have Barry Coughlin, um, you have Ian Kenny, you have Philip Mahoney in defence. And up front, you have, you have uh, Peter Hogan, Park Mahoney and Desi Hutchinson Throw in the two young Mahoneys, um, who are brilliant, young, <laughs> brilliant young players. And like, I mean, they have a good, solid kind of mobile midfield. Like they're almost like a county team. They would, in my opinion, they would beat a lot of county teams, Brian. They're destroying Ballier. Mm-hmm. Who, are, who are dominating Clare, who have gotten to an All-Ireland final, who have won a Munster title, and they've they destroyed Kilmallock, who are coming out of the Piercing and Patrick's Well, um, you know, championship. Like, I mean, I do I think Ballygunner, if they win it this year, can go up into that kind of super club kind of mode. Now, they have to win it to get up there mm-hmm. because they haven't won any more. They've won month, a couple of monsters, But if they win the All-Ireland this year, I think they're, they are in the Kula, Portumna, you know, I think they're in the Ballyhale kind of category.
1: Yeah, they're definitely a the super club now. Putting, uh, talking about Portumna and we were obviously talking about four or five time All Ireland winners, like same with Burr, Like, so you're and and, and Ballyhale, yeah, obviously Burr, seven. And right? Eight. Do you know what I mean? Like, so they're they're huge, but yeah, certainly they're a super club in terms of what's there at the moment. Like their their domination of Waterford over the last number of years, and their team has changed, and that's been well documented over the last number of yeah. years too. Like, and you know they're just it. There seem to be. Huge numbers playing underage as well, and and they have a lot of things going right. And their setup is excellent. And and there's an awfully man actually coaching them, David Franks, and like their attention to detail and their, and their, um, you know, I suppose their 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 tactic tactical awareness and and that is excellent. And I suppose they're they're still hurting as well from the fact that they lost the Munster final to to Boris Ali a couple of years ago. And the you know, I suppose the talk out there was that they were bullied in that final as well, but you know, they're a serious team. They'll probably be looking at trying to get back at Ballyhale, because you have to go back to that All-Ireland semi-final where Hale beat them, where the ball got stuck in the mud, Ballyhale got the look of the look of the... You know, I
0: remember it. And
1: they went down the field and Cody got a goal, a soft enough Cody, goal yeah. then as well, and you know, Ballyhale just about beat Ballygunner that day, so, you know, that kind of hurt is still lingering there with a lot of them. I know I know Paddy Matinee referenced last day that they're they're not using that as an, uh, you know, explicitly, but it's still be driving a lot of the players internally, and you know, they've they've a serious team, you've gone through all the players, and they've likes a Shane O'Sullivan as well, you know, a veteran there, huge experience and and driving it on. So their eyes should be well open when it comes to 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 at the weekend. In fairness to them, you don't go seven or eight years unbeaten in, in Waterford Club hurling unless you always treat your opponents with respect and do the do the video analysis of the other team. So I you I would expect that a team like Ballygunner will have done this. So they will try to counteract the strengths of Neil, and they're on a question wave as well. But, you know, in, in Desi Hutchinson, then as well, they have to form forward in, in, in Club Hurln at the moment. He's gone back to the way, like, you, you know, Conor Callan was with Kula those couple of years ago, like, you know, where he's yeah. almost unmarkable.
0: No, he definitely is. I was writing down a list of the super clubs there. I had Ballyhale Shamrocks on at Kula, Portumna, Athenry, and Burr that have kind of you know dominated. I was I had Napiershig on the list, Paul. I can't believe Napiershig only won one All Ireland mm. with that team. Like I find that hard to believe. Like they almost have. They're a bit like um, Ballygunner, practically. How many intercounty players do they have on that bloody team?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a funny one. And Bally Gunner, I suppose, over the last few years we were one of those teams kind of like Sars, really, where their name would come up, you know, they'd get out of the county yeah. and then pushing for their provincial title, you know, something would unhinge them along the way. But you know, for me with this Bally Gunner team, they've done something that's very hard to do with with teams, is you know, clubs particularly they might have one crop players that comes along every twenty or thirty years. You know, for the most clubs, that really drives it on, gets them a county final or a few county finals. And then again, they're, you're back to, I suppose, reinventing yourself again. But Bally Gunner, you know, of the last decade or so, they've obviously been winning within Watford and they've been pushing for those titles. Again, shot by Boris Ali two years ago. But they seem to, again, have kind of reinvented themselves again and found these younger players that are coming through. And the likes of, you know, part, well, let's say the three-manies, Stephen O'Keefe and these lads, like they're, I suppose, the central spine of the team. They're the, They're the experienced lads who have been there and done it. But they've got this new life into it. And like they said, Desi Hutchinson there. Desi's kind of your player, I suppose, that from open play is just causing problems. Defenses have to focus on him. And the likes of pa- Park Manny, who you know, a few years ago, that's who they were focused on. Now they're looking at this fella who's electric running around the place. And Park Manny is kind of free to hurl them as well. So like they're just you know, they they're they're they've really done a great job in terms of sustaining and actually improving their position in hurling in in Munster and in the All-Ireland series over the last few years um, I suppose like Park Manny mentioned it after the Munster final that you know they're, they're probably saying that they're hurting after Boris Lee, but you know he said it that so many of those players weren't there two years ago so I think they actually have the nice mix of lads who are hurting yeah but they're not dwelling on that they have the new lads coming through that want to make like a name for themselves so like Ballygunner against Kilmallock as well, or they, they, you know, they kind of showed something that I hadn't seen in Ballygunner over a few years where they might maybe, I suppose, go out and, in, in the Munster and, and maybe see how they get on against the team and maybe work their way into the game. They just went out and hurled their own game and, you know, I couldn't believe that you were looking at a game against Kilmallock where they were up by 15, 16 points. It was, you know, it was just incredible. So... As much as we're talking with Slock Neil and Slock Neil could ambush Ballygunner, Gunner, I think this Ballygunner Gunner team is another step up again from the teams we've seen over the last few years that Bally Gunner have produced. And obviously, enough luck. They, they got over that hoodoo of getting out of Munster and they're in the semi-final now. So I think, look, I know we've talked with Slock Neil a lot and I'm kind of tipping him that, you know, it's not going to be as easy as Bally Gunner or people might think it's going to be. But this Ballygunner team, I do think, are kind of a, a fairly new beast now as well. They're not the Ballygunner Gunner we've seen over the last few years.
0: I think it was that uh, Ballyhale Shamrocks lost. There's seven new starters from that, and that's just three years ago. So, like, I mean, it's an incredible yeah. turnaround to still to almost be improved from those changes, rather than you know, yeah. um, you know, gotten gotten worse. The other one is Ballyhale Shamrocks, obviously against uh, St. Thomas's. Two names we see a lot. Obviously, they played each other in the final, and Hale gave them an awful, an awful hammering. Like, I mean, the funny thing is about Ballyhale – Like, I love Ballyhill Shamrocks ever since I did a GEA jackass down with them and they pelted slitters at me down in the Waterford IT uh, training ground down there. But, uh, like, I mean, they're gettable, Brian, in the early rounds of the Kilkenny Championship. We see it on television. They're gettable when they're not tuned in. Like, has could have got them. But where they're not gettable are finals and semi finals, all our semi finals and all our finals. Like, I mean, that's where, like, they just are able to bring it to another level when it it comes down to it.
1: Yeah, they're a phenomenal team. Like, it's just. It's just sick, but I think I tweeted about it before as well after the Leinster final. When you have four forwards of such calibre that they have with TJ Colin Fenley, Owen Cody and Adrian Mullen, it's yeah. just, it's sick. Like, you know, county teams are crying out for that. And like to have the four of them on one team, like it, it's, you know, you often, we, we're talking about Desi Hutchinson Park, and Park Matney as the real standout players so for Bradley Gunner. You know, they have four. Like, you know, it's it's yeah. just, it's almost unheard of to have such four high-quality players. like And
0: and all different too, Yeah, Brian.
1: all different styles, all offering something completely different as well. Yeah, and, you know, we've seen against Ballykala that they, they, they tried to go route one, they brought Uncody o- o- centre forward and then tried to go route one with TJ and corner forward and Colin Fenley full. And it worked uh, to huge effect, obviously, at times. And they can just mix it up and... You know, they're, they're so strong, and they've had changes over the last number of years as well. Look, Michael, Michael Friendly obviously, is retired, and they had to, you know, find a new centre-back. Richie Reid is just slotted in there. He's been phenomenal. Owen Reid has kind of gone out as a sub now. He only comes in, scored a wonder goal the last day. But, you know, they, they haven't been afraid to make changes over the last number of years either themselves. Some of them forced, some of them not. But they just, as you said, find that, that ability to win knockout games. And even, you know, against St. Reines, Right. It looked like Zen Rams had done everything right to win it. And just somehow they scraped the goal out of it, you know, but they had to get get the extra time and then ran out comfortable winners in, in the in extra time. So they just it's just so hard to beat them. It goes back to what I said about when 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 um when they pledged lock Neal a couple of years ago. Any other team would have been beaten that day. But they're just they're able to find that extra gear when they need it.
0: So TJ Reid in the Leinster final wasn't at his usual um, best Paul but he'd been carrying an injury I was surprised to read this he said I tore my groin and abdominal muscle in the county final against the it's just a niggly thing it hasn't gone away yet so I'm still nursing it luckily enough now we have four or five weeks until the next game which is ideal this nearly blew me away Paul the TJ Reid arguably the best hurler in the country um, has, a, <laughs> has a problem with his groin and won't even sit out a Leinster match you know what I mean? To get it yeah. right is still showing up for Ballyhill Shamrocks. Like I mean, I'd say Brian Cody's having a heart attack even watching him.
2: Yeah, I suppose it, it, it's easy saying it now when you look back, and obviously they beat Ballycullow well in the end. But like you know, TJ didn't know that before the game, and like TJ isn't—he's—he's he's the fella he is because he's so dedicated and he's determined and he wants to turn himself out. He doesn't want to shy away from games, and like in you saw you were in that game. Obviously they did take him off once they could see, I suppose, yeah. the finish line and they were going well. They took him off, but you know, it'd be very hard. Uh, knowing TJ the way I do it would be very hard for TJ to stay, to stay out of a game Um, especially the likes of that and again it just shows the hunger and I don't know what you even call it hunger to be honest it's just a genuineness out of all of them it's not a case of that they're going we want to win five, six like these lads have the club all earned the medals that lads only dream of or you wouldn't even talk about but, uh, it's, ridiculous, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it, but it's not about that for them you know when you chat to the lads they just enjoy being on the road they enjoy you know the journey of yeah, being dragged into dogfights in, 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 let's say, in, in pitches in Westmead as much as playing Club All-Ireland finals against whoever, Bridge or whoever they're playing. They just enjoy the journey, the whole thing. And, like, to be honest, it's probably the secret behind it. If like, There is a secret. It's just that you can't stay at it if you're doing it for you're, you're going to the well every time and you're talking about hunger. They love being on the road. They love being around each other. They love, you know, going, playing matches. And they, they enjoy themselves it. you know, they celebrate winning matches. And that's for, for, to, to be honest it's the only way you could actually sustain it but going back to the point to TJ look TJ wouldn't like to think that him as a leader being in centre forward okay I'll carry an injury but I'll get out there and the pitch I'll do my bit and if needs be like take me off if I'm fully injured but he, there, there's no way with the mentality TJ has that knowing him the way I do he, that he would be able to sit that out you know
0: yeah no, it's hard to see to- how Thomases can put it up to them at all, Brian, to be honest. Like, I mean, Thomases are a great team. And like, I mean, they've been dominating Galway, but they've had four All-Ireland semi-final losses since 2016. I think that's since Hale hammered them. You know, you said Cushendall beat them, Ballier beat them, you know, a couple more, you know, they lost another couple. They played their county final on the 5th of December, which is five or six weeks ago, another disadvantage. And Shane Cooney got injured in a bloody challenge match. Mm. Like, I mean, they're dominating centre-back and he's an, he's an incredible... Oh, Boris Ali beat them down in Limerick another year because mm. I'm just thinking of Shane Cooney. He was brilliant that day. And that was the first kind of day I saw him kind of... He kind of popped into my head going, Jesus, he's he's a really good player. He's out. And a club level losing your inter county centre back—it's a—it's a terrible blow.
1: Yeah, that's a terrible blow. And uh, you said you—you hit the nail on the head. He's excellent for for St Thomas's, and he just really drives them on, and he just really stands out. But I, I kind of agree with you. My initial reaction to that was—you know—it's so hard to see Thomas's win this game, and I think you're right. I still think they will struggle to win it. But I suppose when when you—we've all been in these restrooms where when you lose the players. She have nothing else but to give it a go now you know like they've lost so many all semi-finals no one's given them a chance you know probably outside of the core group of players uh, even probably people in St. Thomas aren't even giving them a chance and you're saying do you know what lads that's when you can be at your most dangerous you know and, and that's what they'll obviously be hoping for that they just go empty the tank whatever happens happens and just hope to God they can hit this just perfect day perfect storm and you know, ride it out and, and hopefully, you know, their are big players. The other, the other big players that they have, Fint and Burke, Davy Burke, you know, Connor Cooney up front, and you know, they were good players, obviously, while and Burke there is, is, is excellent too. And, you know, like they've, they've a lot of experience as well. Like, and, you know, they've won four county finals in Galway in a row. You don't do that um, very easily. We all know how competitive that Galway Club Championship is. So, you know, they're no mugs. And as I said, if they can just have a go, you know, they have absolutely nothing to lose. There's no onus on them. And just hope that that it works for them. But you're you're right in your, your overall analysis. It's very hard to see them do it otherwise.
0: Yeah, it kind of is. Fintan Burke was talking, Paul, and you're talking about small clubs, you know, and, and keeping it going. And you were saying, you know, usually a, a small club has one good team and then kind of goes away. Fintan Burke was talking uh, this week. He says we've probably 200 houses. And this is all known about St. Thomas's. They're tiny. They're all bro- loads of brothers and they're a small little area. But the next bit was I was uh, surprised about. So he said we've probably about 200 houses. It's 10 kilometers long and it's on a main road. And they're kind. the whole club is just kind of dotted along that main stretch of road. But he says all the way up along we'd be compete we'd be competing at B or C level. Even now, I think we have no team coming through at the A level. We don't have the catchment to be competing at that at that stage. We have 15 young lads only for most teams. Like, I mean, they're operating at B or C level. This is what's feeding into their senior team. And they've been around since they won it in two thousand what year, Brian, is around your time? Thirteen, maybe they yeah, won it. 2013,
1: the $1 um, and the Beaker, Thirteen
0: yep. they won it. And they're still on the go getting drips of players from b or c level at underage paul yeah it's
2: it, it's remarkable i mean it just it doesn't add up if you put that down on paper and you say this is a club that's going to be competing for club all irelands in a few years at a, a, a team that's or a club should i say that's competing at b or c level at underage you know it just doesn't make sense but i suppose really the making of the team is like you said there's a lot of brothers coming through you know they've kept a, a solid group of players coming through and like you know obviously an extremely talented group of players as well. But, you know, when I see these things, like I'm from a similar thing, like, you know, a club, a small club like that. Mm -hmm. And you're kind of, you're looking kind of up the way, really at all these clubs who are, I suppose, big catchment areas. They have enormous amount of, I suppose, houses and people within the clubs and easy how to make it work. When you see the likes of St. Thomas's, for coming from a club like myself, like you just look at it and you go, they can do it, you know, we can do it. And how they've done it, is still beyond me. I think they'd find it hard to explain. But, you know, you, you do see it in that they are very closely knit. For what they have, they're very closely knit. And that stands for a lot. It stands for a lot when you're, you know, you're going on this journey of trying to win, first of all, your county, but trying to push on to the Club All-Ireland. But you just, I suppose, you can't take it away from them. Like, we are writing them off a small bit against Ballet I don't think there's many people would give out to you for doing that because they're, they're playing possibly the greatest club team that has ever picked up a hurl. Um... They, they are facing down the gauntlet of a massive task, but look, it's no, you know, it's no mean feat to get to where they have. We're not writing them off, you know. They, they can have a go, like Brian is saying. Go at it, have a go. No one is expecting you to beat them, but this is exactly the moment where you can go out and beat a team. I, I'd, I'd nearly say it for another team other than Ballahale, really, to be honest, because like you said, the further Ballahale are kind of beatable, I suppose, early on in Kilkenny. but the closer they get to a final the harder they are to beat. It's like they get a smell of blood. They're harder to beat the closer to get to a final. If there is a chance, though, I think this is the chance for Thomas'. I don't think, to be honest, this Thomas' team in Crow Park would beat Ballyhale, But, look, again, down in Turles, if they really do, I suppose, come out of the trap straight away and have a go at them, there's a chance here they can beat them. But, look, I think the reasonable, any reasonable person following this would think that Ballahale will do enough to come out of it. It might be six points. It could be ten points. But, like I was talking to... Uh, I was talking to one of the Balacala lads during the week. And one of the supporters, not one of the players, like, but he was kind of saying how Balakala were so disappointed after you know the Leinster final and that they wished to put up a bigger performance. But like I was explaining to him about Balahale, like there's been years in in Kilkenny club championship we've played Balahale and we've drawn with them and we've got out the following year saying right we'll do it this year and they've beaten us by twenty five or thirty points. You know, and <laughs> that's just what happens. Like so, like yeah. it's it's the kind of the anomaly of you're playing Balahale it's it's you know, it's nice to think go out and have a go, but like having a go is you have to have a serious go at these lads. Um and it's just look, it it, it is a big feat for them, but to go back to Thomas's look, it's remarkable what they've done. I don't want to sound like um uh, this is their last match, but it you know, it's remarkable what they've done to stay in the road this many years, to keep competing. They're a small catchment area. They deserve huge credit, huge, huge credit for getting to where they've got.
0: Yeah, no, they definitely do. Well, so there's intermediate can I, can semi-finals. Go to, to Sorry, Thomas Brian.
1: This Thomas team's not going anywhere any, very quickly either. Like a lot of these guys have still a lot of club hurling to do, and they're so dominant in Galway. Like they've, you know, when they came on the scene in 2013, they were they were very young. They had a couple of the older players like Richie Murray, but he was, you know, he moved on soon after that, um, and a couple of more players, Kenneth Burke, who's who's younger than me. Like I went to college with him for for a while like, he's their manager now, and he's only, like, in in 36 or 37. Do you know what I mean? So, like, they've they've a lot of guys that are still have a lot of club horn to do, so they're not they're not going anywhere. And in fairness to them, they're turning up year after year uh, and dominating Galway and getting to Alleran semi-finals. Now, that probably opens its own debate in the fact that Galway goes straight through to an Ireland semi-final and don't have to go through um, a Leinster club championship or a Munster club championship. But, obviously, that's for another day. So, like, it's... it's uh, it, it, you're dead right about Thomas's, but I suppose Paul, you come from that type of club. I come from that type of club. There's a lot of us come from that type of club where we can, we can, I suppose, see exactly what happens, and it's all about feeding into your senior team essentially. And look, hats off to them; mm. they're, they're, they're top class. Um, but as I said, they're not. They're not even if they don't beat Ballyhale um, on Sunday. They'll be back at it again next year and probably, well, very calm and very close to winning Galva next year. Very hard to see who'll beat them and they'll be back in this situation again.
0: Yeah, I was talking to Tommy Fitzgerald there the other day um, in town and he's uh, coaching them this year, you know, Tommy. Yeah. And he he uh, he was telling me that they're an incredible group to work with. Like, I mean, he says, you know, the bullshit you get with clubs at times and he's not showing up or he's not, you know, he's not trying or lads acting the maggot. He said, there's none of that with them. They show up, every one of them. They work like dogs. They go. He said, they're the easiest lads to work with. That They're just a pleasure. He loves going up to, to, to work with them. Like, you know... And uh, you know, I suppose that's half the battle often at club level. I suppose successful clubs like that find it easier um to do that. But you know in every club there'll always be one or two they are going, hey oh, geez, he's acting the bollocks this year or whatever, like that. There's none of that with Thomases. They're hard working, great trainers, and it's no surprise, you know, why they're why they're doing um as well as they are. Um, just to finish up in this part, we've got some intercounty news to get through as well, lads, the intermediate semi finals. This makes great reading. I don't care who you are. This is Toreen from Mayo versus Nace from Kildare. There's Kilmoyle from Kerry versus Banneher from Derry. Not, not the famous town Bates-Banneher. That's in Offaly. That's in,
1: that's
0: Saint in Rynas, by the way. Yeah, St. <laughs> yeah, eh? right, Banneher. Uh, there's another Banneher in Derry. I never knew this. But Jesus Paul, like, I mean, you're looking at Mayo, Kildare, Kerry and Derry. And this is a championship. Nays beat the Kilkenny champions. Cork champions are in it. You know, like, that's, okay, it's Kilkenny's intermediate champions. It's Cork's intermediate champions. But at the same time, like, I mean, it's great to see something like that. Usually these competitions are dominated by Kilkenny intermediate champions because they're the 13th team in Kilkenny because you've only 12 um, senior teams and to make it all the better they're playing for a very famous cup um, named after a great man yeah well I
2: suppose uh, going back to your earlier point look, it's brilliant to see the mix uh, when you see the counties named I suppose there and like you know, lads are saying, yeah, the, the Munster's usually dominated by Cork and, and Leinster by Kilkenny. But no one's ever saying that when, you know, the Kilkenny teams and the Cork teams are winning. They only kind of reared it up then and say, ah, oh, well, they're playing, you know, the, is it fair that the senior teams are playing? It is fair, like, you know, because... It's all about, I suppose, getting things on an even balance and give teams a crack at winning the championship, you know. But, yeah, look, the Leinster Intermediate Championship uh, was named after, or is named after my own, uh, my father, Tommy. So, back in 2005, they named it after him, um, which is obviously a great privilege. So, I, I, I keep a probably a keener eye on the Leinster Intermediate Club Championship <laughs> than most most people. But, look, Nace, Nace deserve great credit for winning it, Um and you know, like you, you could say this equally for the rest of the other four te- or the other three teams as well. But you know, I was chatting to the Glenmore lads after that match, and they were just saying, Look, they're a serious team, you know. And not, not that you take any team for granted in the Leinster Championship or Munster Championship or whatever it may be, but you know, they were just saying that they, they they were a different breed really from anything they've met. They were just such a strong team, and you know, I think great credit has to go to the four teams that are there. Um, Any other, any other time, I think the likes of Kilmiley and Kerry would grab bigger headlines if they weren't also I suppose sharing the headlines with Nase winning it in Kildare and winning it in Leinster. But uh look, yeah, it's 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 huge. It makes it tougher to I suppose analyse the whole situation when you're looking at four teams that don't come from well, I outside of Banaher coming from traditional strongholds. But um look it's it makes for great reading. Um, those clubs I suppose will be absolutely delighted to be where they are. But you know, they can't read a whole lot into it. None of them can say they're the underdog or none of them can say they're necessarily the favourite either. But uh, look, it makes for great reading. And I think as well what we can say is that certainly I'd be, to be honest, in favour of the likes of if a senior club team is seen to be fitter to be paying in the intermediate grade and we get results like this, I do think it is it does it does reap good results because the likes of Nace could potentially go out and play, like we said, Balagel, Shamrock, otherwise. And that doesn't do Nase any good. So look, if we see the likes of Glenmore and on an even balance... I think we're getting good results here and we're getting a good even keel of the team the right teams playing each other in the right matches
0: i completely agree before we go into part two um obviously when your father died the cup was named after him tell everybody listening who won the intermediate um the year after that you know, happened. I, have to,
2: I have to fact check it maybe it's maybe it's the fact that the first kilkenny team that won it but my mother's home club won it uh, i think it was the first kilkenny club team to win it afterwards so i don't know how these things work but they somehow uh Amazing coincidence is that uh, the first team to win it would be my own, my mother's
0: home club. Fantastic stuff altogether. Right, we'll leave it there for part one and we'll come back with some inter-county news. Smaller Fish GEA is powered by Benetti Menswear, who supply a range of tailoring, groomswear, casual menswear, footwear and accessories. All right. So there's loads happening in the inter-county, on the inter-county scene. I know it's only yearly season competitions, but there's plenty to talk about. First one I wanted to start it off with here, Brian, is something you've been given out about on Twitter. You're not alone. Um, Michael dignan has been given out about it. Um, people in Antrim are given out about it as well. They've actually f- formally proposed um, a derogation of The rule that allowed Kerry recruit three former Limerick underage players so Limerick Kerry have three former Limerick players playing with them. They're a Joe McDonough Cup team, Offaly are a Joe McDonough Cup team, Antrim are a Joe McDonough Cup team, and you're getting fairly pissed off, Brian. Am I right to say that? How is this right that they're getting three you know signings? Pretty much, neither it would be a connection or they wouldn't be able to do it. Am yeah. I right in yeah, saying that, that rule, you said yeah. on Twitter. You said on Twitter, I personally don't think any team in Joe McDonough or Liam McCarthy should be able to avail of the parent rule. If you're living there and transferred, that's okay. I-M-O, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, yeah and look, I obviously stand over them. People straight away, and like you're implying there yourself, that I'm only saying this because, obviously, it's awfully there. could be uh, to their detriment. But it's actually much bigger than that. I, I, I'd be saying this regardless. You know, if awfully were in Christy Ring or if awfully were in... Um, Liam McCarthy, I just really don't see how it benefits the club people, the genuine hurling people of those counties. It really benefits those three individuals. It really benefits uh, the manager that's over those inter-county teams, if if they can gain promotion, and it looks great for them. Uh, we see the same with Westmead. David Glenn's in playing for Westmead. I know for a fact there was a, when, when the new man's became with Offley, they looked at trying to get a player in from a club team in Galway that's close enough to Offley. And for some reason or another it didn't fall through. I remember being absolutely raging. And I'm well retired, but I remember being raging that it was being proposed that he was going to be brought in. Um and he did train with the, the squad once or twice. And I just I, right. I put myself in my shoes, so I'm calling the spade a spade here now. I put myself in my shoes as a club player within Offley. Obviously, I've retired, but I think of the other club players in Offley to see someone from another county that doesn't live in the county, that doesn't play in the county. Just because they have a parent that was from the county, that they get to play for our county team, I think I'll tell you. Like, it We're, makes massive disrespect the pre- for any us that played f- uh, for the jersey. And I uh, like people say, "Get your knickers over twist." I know I feel really strongly about it, and it really would bother me. And I, I suppose I can, I can say that because it nearly happened in Offaly.
0: Well you see there is a connection there though Brian you're not talking it like you're talking about a parent having a strong connection there like i mean is it that like you have Shane Horan playing with the footballers and he's uh, plays yeah, with Kilmacud Cook? Well, he's yeah. he, he's the same as that so like i did find it a little bit rich michael dignan yes, complaining about right, it he's county board for, chairman yeah, I fully agree with you. And, and and you have one with the footballers but like there is a connection there like these aren't just random signings there's a connection there and if if like if i say a lot of the time you grow up you know, in a county, that's fair enough. You can't get on their, their squad. And you have a, 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 maybe these lads have a very strong connection to Kerry. They go, Maybe they spent full summer holidays down there all, you know, growing up. Why are they not entitled to hurl with, with, with Kerry if they want to? I, I think everybody's a winner. And they improved the Kerry team. They might win the Joe McDonough. They might inspire some young people in Kerry as they improved their team. Like, you wouldn't like if there was seven or eight of them. Do you know? But mm. one or two, if the connection is genuine, is it really a problem?
1: How, how, yeah, I suppose I, I I understand what you're saying, the flip side of it, and that if we, you know, how do you know that the connection is genuine or not? But yeah. I, I just think it's, it's a cleaner if if you hurl in that county and, you know, if you hurl to your club hurling there, yes, by all means, you can transfer across. But, like, to me, if you're still going to play your club hurling in another county and then just go down the road, you know, and, and whatever, travel big distance in some cases, getting good expenses you know enticing players to go down and play another country. i'm not saying carrier are doing that right now i'm saying it has happened in the past we all know that and it just i think it makes a mockery and i think it's hugely disrespectful to the genuine hurling people within that county
0: what do you think paul you're the casting vote here we'll take your this is going to be 2-1 <laughs> <one> to someone <laughs> it's
2: a very dangerous territory there's passionate uh, <laughs> passionate men here now yeah look I, I completely understand i understand what brian's saying like I suppose the thing is where do you draw the line with these things? Um, You know, to the connection, genuine connection and all these things. Another person, I suppose, would say that, you know, these players who aren't necessarily making the Limerick panel, you know, they're great players to look at. And now we're seeing them in a different light. We're seeing them in Kerry. We're still getting to see them on a big stage. I do agree, though, with Brian in one sense that, like, it's a tough thing, like you know, when you're if if, if you have a lad there, like the, the best some some fellas might get out of it is they get a sniff in on on an inter-county panel and they get in the door and they might stay there for two or three years and you know they take huge pride in that and I suppose it's making those lads, you know, if this becomes a bit more prominent, it's making that chance I suppose less and less for those lads. If you're an awfully and like like let's say using that example that if there's lads going to be one or two lads pushed in from Galway that are just over the border. And then suddenly that's your chance at gone because of it. You know, if I was in that position, I'd find that very hard. And, it, you know, you'd be disillusioned to a certain degree as well because I suppose you're starting to murky the waters really then, the whole thing. And it's, it's a tough one. It certainly is a tough one because I'm sure we could bring on someone here just as easy who would say, well, look, it, I want to pay Harlan at the highest level I can possibly pay. This is yeah. my opportunity. And I do have a strong connection with Kerry. I do have a strong connection with, you know, wherever, Galway, with Offaly, and I do want to pay for them. So... You know, as much as I would say, let's say, Jesus, Brian's making serious points there and I'd agree with him, I'm sure there's a fella who's listening to this going, well, hang on for a second, actually. I want to put on an inter county jersey and the, the competitor in me wants to be playing potentially in Crow Park, potentially Joe McDonough, who knows, Liam McCarthy. I could be playing against Tipperary, I could be playing against Wexford. So the other side of me is saying that, that, you know, there's hurlers here who aren't good enough to make an incredibly strong memory panel, but we get to see them on the big stage playing for Kerry. And seeing a Kerry jersey, you know, playing at a fairly high level, there's lots of lads, I remember watching Breaking Ball years ago, and they had a Kerry man on who was big into the hurling from Nick Snaw. and he was saying that maybe it's only a pipe dream to see a Kerry hurling jersey in Crow Park. But, you know, you fast forward 20 years, and because of a few developments, these things are starting to become a reality. But I suppose from my point of view, look, it's not something that massively affects me at the moment. I, I completely understand Brian's angle, but I just think, you know, there there needs to be a lot more of a conversation about it before certainly before I could have a real definite opinion on it. So the politician yeah, in the Yeah, Before York, we probably need to that connections, maybe if a strong
0: connection. Come be, back in
1: there for a second. Like the, there used to be the intermediate county inter-championship and then there was it was kind of brought that there could be another yeah. twenty five championship. And I, I'd rather we looked at avenues like that um for yeah. the bigger counties. Than players transferring over to other counties, and I appreciate the parent rule. I appreciate they've tightened mm-hmm. it up. It's not a granny rule like Ireland used to have in the soccer years ago. <laughs> but mm-hmm. and and I understand completely those arguments. But at the end of the day, we we do represent our county. That's the kind of the structure of the, of, of the GEA, you know. So yeah. like if we work within those remits, I don't see how it, we can just kind of make those rules kind of suit certain counties so I, like I, I know the, the flip argument I, I totally get it you're improving the standards as, as woolly said and you're riding boat lifts all, or uh, riding tide lifts all boats i, I get all that but I, as i said i know from personal experience how i felt when it nearly happened in Offley, and i didn't like it and that's where my yeah. passion is coming from when i when i speak against it
0: McAdair was a devil for it. No matter what county he yeah. went into, he looked for a couple of outsiders. Like he brought his son up to Kildare, and the Murphy, the big full forward. I think he brought he brought him in from Cork. Um, when he was with us in Leash, he he got Shane Cook, who played um, up in Dublin. He had a connection with Leash, and then he went to Wicklow, and he took Carlo's best midfielder, wasn't it Thomas Walsh or something? Right. He brought him he brought him to Wicklow But I don't remember really. I remember Shane Cook being on the panel. I never remember anybody feeling disgruntled that you know what's he doing on it. You know, yeah, I don't he think had it at the individual did,
1: though. You know. Like, like, you're never going to yeah. follow a lad when he's in there you know like that's i don't think that's going to happen within within the dynamic of the group but
0: yeah, and I was. I do take your point. Three of them from the same county is a little bit ah here now. I do. I do get that point. You know, like I mean. Then again, I'm soft on it. I'm someone who played with Parnells, so like I mean, at the exactly. same time, that was. <laughs> you know, Just, like three, three, my argument. <laughs> three, three, three lads, three lads would appear from the county. Does they, they, does nothing to me. Like <laughs> I <community>, mean, so. <laughs> uh, so King Henry Paul, I'll throw this one to you. Like I mean, they got hammered against Dublin. This is nothing. It's a Welsh Cup now. I think this is nothing to me, or is nothing to a lot of people, but it's probably something to King Henry, and it's probably because he played under Brian Cody, and you know yourself, he took the Walsh Cup bloody seriously, like you were, he just wanted to win all the time, like we. That's well documented, which he. So King Henry's talking after the after the the hammering by Dublin, he says it's concerning because we're trying to find players. It's about growing and learning, and we won't panic yet. Are we disappointed? Of course we are, and I'm sure Galway hurling is hurting because Dublin were just streets ahead of us. Now, like, I don't think Galway Hurling is hurting at all, Paul, over a bloody, you know, a Welsh Cup loss with a young team, half a team. I think that's King Henry applying the Kilkenny standards <laughs> over to Galway. Yeah, yeah,
2: I mean, it is interesting. Maybe his choice of words, maybe he didn't He didn't feel that strongly about it, um, but he was, he was trying to put something of that kind of a spin on it. Yeah, like, again, you know, when we, not to be, obviously we're talking about Galway and Dublin here, and we're talking about Henry, but I mean, Yeah, like uh, when we would have played Welsh Cup, we would have taken it seriously. In that, you know, you want to go out, you want to put your best foot forward. You want to at least put in a performance. I mean, most ads who are playing a Welsh Cup, they're playing to put their name forward for a county panel for the rest of the year. It's a serious opportunity. You know, Okay, there might be only a few added in terms of a crowd watching different things. But essentially, it's your trial to get yourself on a team. You will have some established players on it, and of course. But, um, you know, as a team as a whole, I'm sure Henry was looking at it and saying, well, look, I don't mind being bit by one or two points, you know. But putting in a serious performance, I don't think they're concerned. To be honest, are they hurting? I don't think they're hurting either. You know, I mean, it's it is a Welsh Cup game. You're finding your feet. Maybe Henry is just brushing up on his managerial speeches now because I know he's used to the Sunday game, but he, now he has to he has to go back to the token and dagger of doing manager speeches after games. But um, or interviews, should I say? But uh, yeah, look, I I don't think they're hurting. To be honest, there's no alarm bells ringing in Galway. Um, Look, Galway are in a very strong position. They have, they have great players coming through. And, like, I, I was involved even... I know it's probably going a bit too far back now, but, you know, I was involved in the under-16s with Klikenny this year. And I was just looking at... You know, we played Galway. And I was just looking at the calibre of players they have coming through, right? So granted, I know these players won't be involved. But, you know, Galway is just conveyor belt. It's savagely strong. And, you yeah. know, Henry only has to pull a few players from each age group along the way up. You know, he's not looking for 10 or 15 players from one age group or anything like that. They have a huge pool to pick from. And you know they're there, thereabouts. This Welsh Cup game, no, I don't. They're not concerned. They're they're, they're not really hurting. Um, it it, it was only a preseason. And look, if if Henry's looking for anything, any positives out of it, they're back to the training pitch now with no distractions of any Welsh Cup. They can just plug away at the training pitch now, do whatever needs to be done, and I suppose step away from having to do any interviews until the league comes around and maybe throw a bit more of a shape on the team. But look, to, to be honest, I don't think they're hurting too much, and I I don't think they're they're overly concerned after the weekend.
0: Yeah, I don't know what happens to that conveyor belt because the conveyor belt's been going on for twenty years now. I don't know, like it hits a snag somewhere. I don't know if it's a UCG or NUIG, it's called now, or the Galway races, Brian. But something <laughs> happens to them between the age of eighteen <laughs> and the age of twenty-one. Yeah, like <laughs> sure, look at
1: one, what was it, three or four minor all-lands in a row, like four. Yeah, in a row, four yeah. in a row, like, and you know they didn't get any success there in under 2011, 20, 20 Maybe look, they still have a bit of time to that. But uh, yeah, like I think Paul's right. Sheffield will be one bit. Overly concerned, you know he'd he'd uh, he'd only three recognised players miss slash four maybe against Offaly. He'd something similar, you know, to, against uh, Dublin. Dublin had a reasonably strong team out. They were way further down the line. It's it's year I think four for for Matty Kenny up there. So like they know exactly what they're doing. They're used to playing to a system, and we all know we've all played in teams when you have so many guys that have no intercounty experience playing together at senior at, at together whether it's a club team actually or Intercounty, like they can never reach those heights. Like they're just, they're so disjointed and it's very, very hard for lads to actually make an impression in those situations. So like Henley's just, you know, having a look at them, simple as that. I think Tipperary did something similar and Kerry cut them out. Um, you know, so it's it's, it's, this is what preseason competitions are supposed to be about there's supposed to be this opportunity for managers to give, give a run to the players it's, it, it's, there's absolutely no story in this as far as I'd be concerned
0: no no there's nothing to read into it so there's another bit of news Kilkenny veterans committing so Richie Hogan Walter Walsh Killian Buckley and Conor Fogarty we know Joey Holden's gone and Colin Fennelly's gone they've all committed like I mean I suppose the Richie Hogan one is the interesting one Paul he's your club mate obviously like he mm-hmm. got so little game time he only came on in the, in the was it the X just before extra time yeah. Um, against Cork not getting a look in really you Now you don't know what the injuries like how is he playing with the club or what's your kind of take on him going back in again I presume he'll be 34 this year
2: yeah Richie yeah, what will he be he, well he's 33 at the moment yes like 34 this year but look uh, the funny thing about Richie which lads kind of forget is Richie probably hasn't started and I'd, I'd, lads to check the records on this one for me but since well, he was hurt the year in 2014 but from about 2015 on, Richie didn't, if he started a game, he didn't finish it. And if he didn't right. start the game, you know, he'd come on. But uh, how often Richie has actually hurled since around 2015 a 70-minute game? And I wouldn't say that's because of injuries or something. I just think that's the way Brian has used him, be it right or be it wrong. You know, Richie actually, funnily enough, has been one of the players that, I think it was 2014, actually, in the final he was taken off. He was hurler of the year. But when we were bringing on Henry, it was, it was Richie he took off. Do you know? So Richie was right. kind of one of those players that, you know, he's taken off at a time you don't expect him to be taken off. And I even remember in that Corp match last year, you know, I sitting in the stand and, you know, lads around me were kind of saying, I had the hat on and I was, you know, hopefully lads didn't cop I was sitting there. But you could hear people saying, look, Jays, get Richie Hogan on there now. We need him in full forward. People were probably thinking of like the Galway Leinster final the previous year and that he'd come on and he produces, he opens up the game and he produces that bit of magic. But to be honest, I thought they used him a little bit too late. And I think Richie would, would maybe look at that and say, I would have liked to come on earlier in that match. Richie has a lot to offer that way. I'm not saying that very biasly. I think we all know he has the hands, he has the skill. Other players who would have relied on fitness a bit more, Richie's skill is in abundance. Um, Look, again, I don't think people would have raised an eyebrow either if he walked away because, again, he's 32. Well, he would have been 32, 33, retiring if he did go this year. No one would have batted an eyelid really looking at that. But, you know, Richie's his own best judge. He has been carrying a few injuries over the years, but no one's better to tell you, that they're able to carry on, then then Richie. Look, the other lads there. I wouldn't, you know, th- those lads are Walter Welsh is thirty. I think. How is, hard to believe? Hard to believe he's only thirty, isn't it? Hard to believe he's only thirty. See, lads talk about his height so much they forget about his age. That's the <laughs> thing, like you know. But um, the likes of Killian Buckley and Conor Fogarty, like I mean, you're, uh, the, let's say Walter Welsh is only thirty. Killian Buckley, and Conor Fogarty, but those two lads are absolute machines. Anybody who knows them or work work with them, they're two of the I suppose two real athletes, you know. So. For other players who might feel it when they're 30-31, I can guarantee those two lads don't. But I think it's just this conversation that when players get to 30, and I'd say a lot of inter-county lads, particularly over the last 10 years, when suddenly the age is creeping closer to 30, once you hit the 30 mark, people start asking you, well, are you going back next year? You know. So I think by by rule of the fact that these lads are over 30, we're starting to ask these questions. But um, really, look, Richie's the only one there that really people would have asked a serious question about. And he's moving well with the club. He knows, look, he's had his few injuries, but he knows his body better than anyone. And to be honest, I don't think he'd be going back if he didn't think he was capable of it, really. And I don't think Brian would let him back, to be honest, if he didn't think he was capable either.
0: Well, that's the interesting thing. Like, I mean, you can see the other ones. Walter Walsh was an impact So Killian Buckley got a good bit of game time. Connor Fogarty, I think, started a couple of games um, as well. But, like, Richie started very little. I can't believe that, that even when he was Player of the Year, he was being taken off. I'm reading between the lines here, and I'm thinking maybe there could be a little bit of a personality clash, maybe with Cody or something. I'm not asking you to confirm that <laughs> or anything, but it, I find it, like, Richie must be very pig-headed or stubborn or something that he's going back again knowing that he's taken off even when he's playing well and he's player of the year knowing he got hardly any game time last year and he's still going back for more yeah
2: well look Richie's his own man completely like um, I think the only question Richie has to ask himself is is well it's opposed to two questions does he want to go back and is he capable of going back really and yeah. um, but yeah, like I mean, like like I said, he's been, he was he's, he's been taken off many times over the years. I don't think his personality clash or Anton. Like oftentimes, Brian uses players in certain ways, and people question it. And then when it works out, they say, "Geez, that was a genius move." I think Richie's yeah. just been kind of part of that. Like he's played everywhere from corner forward to midfield. Like one is hurler of the year at midfield, and but within that, like you know, no one's talking about the decision to take him off during that 2014 final, no one even remembers it, you know, Henry came on, because we probably won, that's basically it. Am I saying he he
1: never finished an
2: All-Ireland final? You could be right, I'm trying to think back there now, you could be right, like I'm thinking 2015, 2014, um, yeah, you, you, you could be right in saying that, I mean, the one thing I did know is that, you know, it would be a thing that I would have noticed when we were playing, that you know, again, you look up the pitch and you see Richie, a club mate, a friend of yours, and you know, he would be taken off coming around the 55th minute, even if he's playing well. Maybe it was just that Brian looked at it as he wanted to introduce a different dynamic into the game. Maybe, like, this is the stage where I bring
0: on a bit more legs or whatever it is. Not that I doubt Richie for his fitness or anything. But, but, but he doesn't, wait, Paul, he doesn't strike me as a fella now that would be doing good in the long-distance runs, like, would he? Or, or am I got that all wrong?
2: No, he'd be, like, again, he'd be fit. <laughs> he is very fit. Um, Richie's strength is... I think what we all see, it's his, his, skill, ba- yeah. it's his skill, it's his balance, it, it's his aerial ability. Like, you know, okay, let's say you'll have another fella that can run the 10K in a quicker time, but throw the two of them together and let them compete for a ball and Richie will come out with it. And that's a, a, essentially, that's what that's what it come down to. You know, we can break it down into all the stats we want. He's a strong runner. He's very fast. But, like, you might say, okay, one fella's very fast. I don't think there's anyone better in terms of balance than Richie. Like, he'll get the ball and he throws a shimmy. The man he's marking is gone. And, like, you even see the likes of his change of direction. Um... I go back to that Galway match against uh, in Leinster final. You know, he's marking Dahi Burke, the best full-back probably in the last, you know, five or ten years. And the one ball that came in, he flicked it in a different direction. He changed direction, scooped it over keeper keeper. Like, you don't... Not, not every player can do that. You know, 95% of players can't do that. And I think that's what Richie brings. I think if you look at oh, his long-distance running or whatever, I think you're looking in the wrong area there. He, he His primary position and how he wins it and what he does with it after that, like... That's that's where Richie really excels
0: yeah, the the only reason I mentioned the the long distance running was maybe to explain the fifty five minutes thing. You know, mm-hmm. like I mean, you, maybe to give you know get an understanding of why Cody might do that with him, and maybe yeah. it's look, you know, regardless of how he's playing, that you know the, he might not be able to cover the grounds based on running. I don't know. It was just yeah. something yeah. that popped 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 into my head. Mo- to move on, um, from interrogating Paul about uh, Richie, <laughs> <don't know. laughs> <laughs> you you can get off the stand now, Paul. Um, oh, you're okay. Um, let's That's move. Let's move on. Spot, <laughs> <laughs> no, he's,
2: you want to ask him about Brian Whelan No, I want to know about Brian Leland. What made him
0: take? So, let's. well, listen, we'll talk about Bubbles O'Dwyer. He's gone off the Tipperary oh, panel. Well, he's loud. not on the one announced. Are we reading too much into this or could be a very easy explanation for this, Brian? Oh, look, I've heard he's
1: injured. I've heard he's been dropped. I've heard everything in in, in between. So, look, I, I think only Colin Bonner knows the actual reason in his management team why, why Bubbles isn't in the panel. So... Look, Bubbles is well-known well, well known around Ireland. He's the silky skills. He's just, the wrists are unbelievable. That's why he's known as the ultimate wristy hurler for Cyril Farrell. Um, and just has talent, like, you know, to, to burn. But I, I think he, he, he surely would be one of the first to admit that he probably doesn't have the, the fi- physique or the fitness that you would expect of an intercounty player now it doesn't bother him 90% of the time you know he's, he's just he's hurling ability he did last year now he yeah. he
0: did last year I yeah, thought then, didn't he and no, well, the majority he, of year the time, under Michael Ryan yeah, like this, it's usually ah, yeah. year
1: on year almost one year he gets very fit one year he's, he's kind of lets himself go a little bit and then it kind of it comes and goes Sheedy obviously was able to get a great tune out of him the first year they got to the learn then the year after then he was in he was in rank order and then he got back into decent enough shape last year, like in the first half of the muster final, he was flying it like. Um so like it just it, he's an enigma, I suppose is probably one of the best ways of saying it. Like and um like he can just when he turns it on, he's he's almost unheardable, you know, but we all know there's a lot more to Intercounty hurling than just that. As 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 good a player as he is, but as I said, look, we're only we're only surmising why he's on the panel or why he's not on the panel, and will he be called back later in the year or will he not? Because at the end of the end of the day, Tipperary have named their panel, and they've some very interesting players called in. Now, being honest, you know, like we're interested to see will the likes of Owen Connolly make the step up? Like he was excellent for for at underage for Tipperary. And and will he, will he you know, can he make can he cement a corner back place in there? You know, allow Barry Heffernan maybe to, or Park Maher to move out the field. Um Craig Morgan, who's only, you know, probably known in club circles in, in Tipperary, he's he's flying it now at the moment, going really well. And then they've they've they're after calling in a couple of undergraduate pedigrees like like Connor Bow, who I worked with in Mind Temple he You know, he was excellent for the the under-20s, under-21, starring in those All-Irelands at corner forward. And he's actually called in. He was with the footballers last year. So can he make the the bridge for them um, at at senior inter-county standard? Grodd Connor's another guy that won under-21 All-Irelands as well. You know, can he step up to a starting place for Tipperary? And then you have the likes of Mark Kyo. Can he really cement a place? He's been in or out there the last few years. Can Jake Morris, who has been, like, really good at times for Tipperary, but can he really bring his you know, class to a, a real consistent level and can I, can they marry this with the likes of Shamie Callan, and Porek Maher? Can Bonner Maher come back in and make it, a, an impact? Because Tipperary, it, it, that's the biggest thing that Colin Bonner will have to do is can he marry that bit of youth that won the under-21 All-Ireland, under-20 and under-21 All-Ireland over the last number of years under Liam Cal, can he marry that with this massive, uh, successful team that Tip have? And, you know, you talk about Walter Walsh and a couple of these boys not being that old, these tip guys are not that old either. Like, they won under 21 All-Ireland in 2010. They're only in their early 30s, 31, maybe 32 years of age. It just seems they've been around for so long because all them, so many of them players played in the 2009 All-Ireland. But they, they still have... Um, years on, you know, on, on their side that they could actually still offer a bit to Tipperary over the next couple of years. So, you know, some people were saying, "Oh, shame you'll surely retire, Bonner will surely retire, Noel McGrath will surely retire." But why? They're in their early thirties, if and and they mind themselves so well. Why? Why should they?
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, um, Colin Bonner was talking, he was speaking about Tommy Dunn. Tommy Dunn was a great get for him to stay in Ooh. there, you know, for a bit of continuity, I suppose. He was saying, I was keen to ensure some continuity in the setup. Tommy is really excited about the new approach we've been discussing over the last number of weeks. I have Paul Marr coming up on the show um, in, in a week and a half, the week before the league starts. I'm going to absolutely interrogate him <laughs> about this new approach. I'm fascinated about this, uh, Paul.
2: Yeah, it's uh, you can read a lot into that new approach. It's 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 uh, it's very vague. So I think a lot of lads will take interpretations from that. And sure, look, to like this, the likes this, the whole bubble situation again, like that will only feed into I suppose when there's a, a lack of matches. And I know we had the club matches and things going on, but obviously people always have one eye on the intercounty scene. And the fact the bubbles, like there'll be a lot of speculation over. Look, bubbles might have just decided maybe it's not for him this year, and. Um he's one of those players, and Brian said it, you know, he's on, on his day, absolutely exceptional, you know, great hurler. But, you know, maybe he, he also we talked about Lee Watson earlier, though. Lee Watson was one of those players you kinda I suppose had to show a bit of love to, to get uh, as he'd say himself, to, to you know, to get the best out of him and you know the likes of Bubbles and these lads kind of strike me as those players, and that that's that's absolutely no insult. They're just these kind of players that you kind of seem to have to let them do their own thing to a certain extent. And obviously you have to crack the whip at different times. I don't know, but this new approach—I mean, look—you could read into it ten different ways as to what it is. You'll have to ask Paul Marr about that. And I'd say, considering he's still involved in the setup, I don't think he's going to tell you a whole lot. But uh, what this new approach may be, we'll have to see. Come summertime, what uh, what Bonner's talking about.
0: Yeah, he'll tell me nothing. I know right well he won't. But we'll, have, we'll, we'll be watching him closely throughout the league. That's all I'm saying. We'll, that's one team we'll definitely be analysing. Um, hopefully, it will be on television to see what this new approach is. Last story, uh, Brian, is another one you've been tweeting about. It's your uh, Cool Derry uh, clubmate Pat Teehan. He's the Leinster GA chairman, and he had an address um, to a Leinster convention. He's been urging clubs to play their part in tackling the growing use of drugs amongst GA members. Now, you know, usually we don't really talk about stuff like this um, on the show, but this is on the back of Kieran Carey, obviously Limerick legend. He was talking about this too. He said it's frightening where it's after going in the last year and a half. Frightening. There isn't too much talk about it in the GAA because it's such a taboo subject. It mightn't be a popular thing to say, but it's the, it's the reality and it's real. And this is drug-taking amongst GAA panels. And I suppose how it's maybe become normalised as a part of, you know, finish a game and now you're out and suddenly there's a queue up into the jacks in the in the titles. I, look, I see it in Leash myself, and I'm not talking about leash team. Most clubs would celebrate in leash after it and it is a little bit about the talk of the town you know like I mean the queue into the jacks they're all at it. that club's all at it and like I mean I've never seen anything like this before so like I mean I read the and Carey thing and I said will I talk about it on the show or will I not and you know what sometimes I think is it something that we should even be get should be getting into this probably a societal problem rather than the GA one Brian
1: yeah I think I think you're right uh, it, it obviously is a societal problem but I suppose the GA is is in the lucky uh, situation in that it's in every single so- uh, society and village and and town yeah. within within Ireland, and I suppose we're we're arguably the biggest organisation within each of these you know facilities, and you know all, all the people within these uh, parishes and towns they feed into the GA clubs, and I think in fairness to Pat, he's he's uh he's he's called it out for what it is, and fair play to Kieran Carey before, and obviously his work as a councillor he's seen it firsthand and you know the easy thing for Pat would have been to not address it at all and just carry on with your normal run-of-the-mill uh Leicester chairman address but I think I suppose you know he's he's rarely his own children and maybe he he has heard horror stories there himself of, of I'm not saying his children but you know like from the youth of today where as you said it's so prevalent uh in society I'm very lucky uh that I've never been offered cocaine in my life but I have heard and 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 know lots of people that use it, you know, and it's just it is frightening the amount of people that are using it, um, in society, and it's just, it. I suppose it would be remiss of the GA to bury their head in the sand in relation to it too, and I suppose we're not going to be able to change it, uh, you know, by saying oh let's drug test everyone, let's uh, let's ban people if they if they're using drugs, anything like that it all starts
0: I, I with think, education I think, doesn't I think, it yeah i, I think drug take drug testing would help probably very hard there's so many yeah. like i mean there's no doubt i saw pat tehan like i mean his solution was like i would urge all ga clubs to adopt the ga club substance use policy which can be downloaded from the ga website a social media campaign accompanied by a poster in every dressing room in the country would be a start you know, like no disrespect yeah, to Pat, like yeah, that's, that's an old person. Yeah. That's an old person's yeah. idea of you know you, of how the reality is, Paul. It's become normalised, and like I mean, I kind of know what I'm talking about here because when I was in my early twenties, unlike Brian, I probably would have been dabbling in things that I shouldn't have been dabbling in, and like I mean, you know, back then it was like you under no circumstances would your teammates ever be allowed to find this out because they would be very disappointed in you. They would judge you. They would lecture you. And it was something that would be completely kept as a secret from your teammates because it was a no-go area. If they were to find this out, it's almost like your parents. It would be worse to your parents that your teammates might find out. And But now the way I see it, it's become completely normalized that, oh, yeah, there's a few of them, you know, that they're at it. Like I mean, this is how it's changed maybe in that 20 years.
2: Yeah, that's it, and it is exactly like you said. It's a societal thing, and it just it, because we have such a catchment of of young players, of older players, everything. You know, it's it's just because it crept it crept into the GA, and it is there. And I think fair play, like Brian said, fair play to patine for calling it out. Yeah, on Carey as well. And like again, I don't think patine and I know we're not saying this, but patine isn't the man. And he's not claiming himself that he's the one to solve it. But in fairness to him, like, when these things are underground, that's when they're most dangerous. And I think what Patine is saying is, obviously, look, let's bring it up to the service. Let's get it out there in the open and let's actually talk about it. He's obviously, you know, he's not saying he's the man to, how are we going to solve this situation? But I do agree, like, you can understand where he's coming from by saying, put it out there in social media. Put it out there so people know that, you know, this is known We're, we're going to talk about it. If it starts to deter a few people, even at that rate, you're not going to ter- deter everybody. But... You'll start to get that, those drips and drabs of people maybe starting talking about it, maybe saying, OK, actually, let's talk about why is this happening? Is it happening in our club? Like Brian said, I've never been offered it. Um, and I, I can I can say that amongst the people I would hang around with, I haven't. But I, I know that it certainly is there. And I think the first thing we have to do before, I suppose, it does become a serious, serious issue and, and usually that's the stage when it kicks in where people actually go and do something about it Look, we kind of know it's there now and it's across society it's in universities it's in sports arenas it's in wherever you want to talk about it wherever young people are wherever older people are it, it's there now and if we talk about it well that's the first job done we're getting it out there so in fairness fair play to two boys for talking about it because I suppose you can feel like a small bit of a, a, pariah, well not a pariah but like if you're the first person to talk about you might feel a bit strange and you might feel that maybe is it my place to even say it or am I calling out something that maybe isn't there? But the boys have called it out rightly. It is there. We do need to talk about it. And certainly it's something as the GA has to come together that we'd be doing, certainly, I think our younger community and our younger players, our younger supporters, we'd be doing them a favor by, I suppose, action something over the next six months, you know, year, or whatever it is that does make, everybody more aware about the the substances that are knocking around clubs and counties.
0: Yeah, exactly. We'll leave it on that uh, point. That's it for today. Um, Smaller Fish, as you know, is powered by Benetti Menswear. It's an Irish brand who are one of Ireland's leading menswear suppliers. We'll be back on Monday with a review show. So we'll talk to you all then. Good luck. People think I'm a bit of a, a lunatic, loose cannon, whatever you'd like to uh, see
1: I think there's a group of people around Frank. Actually, a group of stooges and yesmen.
0: Because I love this county
2: so much, you know. And it's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of for today. Because like I, I'm heart, I'm heartbroken. <laughs>